Welcome, welcome, welcome. Are any of you guys just unashamed, unabashed Disney nuts? You guys just love kids' movies. doesn't even have to be Disney. Some of you guys are standing and jumping, so you make sure that you're counted. That's good, because this morning, at our, as we start our uh, series at the movies this week, we are going to be looking at a Disney cartoon, all right? So some of you guys are really excited about that. It's Kids' Day. Some of you guys are like, really? Are we allowed to do this at church? And trust me, we are. It's okay. Now, the idea behind our At the Movies series is that we... We would, over the course of this month of July, watch a few clips each Sunday from a particular movie. And we allow these clips to surface some spiritual questions that everybody in our world is asking. We allow these clips to address some spiritual themes that everybody wants to know the answers to, they want guidance for. And so we let the movie ask the questions that oftentimes we're too scared to ask one another in public. The other reason that we do this at the movie series is because as Christians, we want to engage the, the media around us, whether it's movies or TV or music, whether it's social media, fashion, whatever other aspect of culture that we live amongst, we want to be able to engage culture well. We want to be able to say, okay, this lines up with what the scripture says about who we are and who God is. And then also to see where things diverge a bit. And we might say to our kids, now listen, I know you saw in this movie that this and this and this happened, but I want you to know how things work in the real world. And I want you to know just how much God loves you. And so we use these movies as kind of a jumping off point for conversations both with our family and with our friends and other people in society around us. So this is a really, really important series. Um, we have them online, so you can go back and listen. Last week, if you weren't here, we covered The Martian, the Matt Damon sci-fi movie. It was a lot of fun. We're going to be covering, I believe, Mad Max next week. You're like, whoa, a rated R movie? Oh my goodness. But it actually asks some really important spiritual questions. I'll remind you guys, as I always do, the clips we show in the service are PG or below, okay? Um, and then uh, the final week of this month, we're going to be covering The Shack, probably the most important spiritual movie that came out over the last year. There's a lot to love about that movie, and there's a lot that we want to address as well. And so we're going to cover those over the next few weeks. It's going to be awesome. Okay? You looking forward to it? I hope so. All right. I told you guys that we were talking about a Disney movie this week. It's not one of the classics, okay? We're not doing Bambi or Aladdin or something like that. We're doing one of the new classics, one that came out just last year. The movie we're going to cover this morning is Zootopia. Did you guys see Zootopia? Okay, a few of you guys did. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Now, here's the deal. Zootopia is actually an adult movie masquerading as a kid's show. It really is. When you dig into the themes, when you get past the fact that it was made by Disney and it's got, you know, uh, cartoons and animals and all that stuff, when you get past that, what you find out is it deals with some very, very serious issues, both in our culture and in our hearts. This was an important movie. If you guys don't know, this won the Academy Award for uh, Best Feature-Length Animated Film just earlier this year. So it was the best of the best in 2016. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 90 98% fresh rating, which is tough for kids' movies because usually they're terrible, right? Um, it was on multiple top 10 lists. Like, this was a big movie. If you don't have kids and you didn't see it, although it's a Disney movie and I promise I won't tell any of your friends, go watch it this week. It is worth seeing. Now, Zootopia tells the story of Judy Hopps, who is a rabbit 
that was born on a carrot farm out in the country. Okay, get it? Judy hops. <laughs> I see what they did there. All right. Judy wants to be a police officer. By the way, these are like all Disney movies. It's anthropomorphic animals. And so they talk and wear clothes. I wish animals did that in real life. That would be super cool, but we won't get into that. All right. They talk and wear clothes. Judy hops. The little rabbit wants to be a police officer in the big city of Zootopia. That's her dream. The problem is she's a tiny little bunny rabbit. And in her world, in order to be a police officer, you've got to be a big animal. You've got to be strong. Because seriously, like, what's a little bunny rabbit going to do if a water buffalo is committing a bank robbery? How is the rabbit going to stop the buffalo? It just doesn't make sense. And so she's got to fight against all of these odds in order to accomplish her dream. Now, there's one more thing you need to know about Zootopia. And again, if you're like, wait, I didn't come to church expecting to, you know, hear about a kid showing all that stuff. We're going to tie it right back into the scripture and God's plan for your life, I promise. The one other thing that you need to know about this particular cartoon is that all the animals are divided into two categories. Every animal is either a predator or it's a prey animal, right? It either eats other animals, or at least it has many years in the past, or it's one of the animals that gets eaten. And so this has created a society where they have learned to get along and not to eat each other. There's like an uneasy truce where the predators don't attack the prey anymore. But throughout the course of the movie, we find out that there's a lot of suspicion there's a lot of distrust in their society about this group of animals over here and this type of animal over there, okay? And against this backdrop of suspicion and difficulty and different groups and divisions and segments within their society, Zootopia is going to ask one of the most important questions that we need to address as a society. It really is. And the cool thing is, the question that it surfaces is addressed head on by the Bible. The Bible speaks directly to it, and I believe it gives us the answer to the questions that Zootopia raises. All right, so we're going to watch the first clip. It's about four minutes long or so, and it kind of sets the scene for the rest of the film. Zootopia asks a question that every single one of us have wondered about during our lives, during our existence, whether we were kids on the playground, whether we're dealing with difficult people at work, whether we're trying to survive another family Thanksgiving dinner, we have all asked ourselves this question, why do we treat each other so badly in our world? Why is there hatred and suspicion and fear amongst all the people in our society? Why does racism and sexism and ageism and heightism, that last one's just my personal battle, but why do these things exist in our world? Now, there are probably a lot of possible answers to this. We're going to find out that Zootopia attempts to give us an answer in just a moment. But what I want you to acknowledge and recognize is that Zootopia surfaces a question that you've had rattling around in the back of your mind. You just haven't ever voiced it. Why do we treat each other so badly? Why is there abuse? Why do we lie? Why do we steal? Why do kids bully each other? Why are there wars? When you watch the evening news, why do we see negative story after negative story of people who should love one another, people who should be neighbors to each other, treating one another so terribly? 
Now, in Zootopia, all of the animals are kind of sorted and segmented. They're divided by their size, by their type, by their diet. Let's be honest, in our world, the real world that we all live in, we divide ourselves just like they do. We just use different criteria, don't we? We divide ourselves according to our race. We divide ourselves according to our religion. We divide ourselves according to our gender. We divide ourselves according to our wealth. We divide ourselves according to our occupation. Oh, he's blue collar. He's unskilled labor. We, di we divide ourselves by the number of social media followers we have. 300, that's cute, right? We constantly set up these segments and we put people inside and then we rank and order one another and these people we need to be careful and suspicious of and that person over there is not trustworthy because of this and that. We do precisely what they do in Zootopia. Of course, that's the whole reason they wrote the movie to surface some of the awfulness that exists on every single block in the city of Calgary, that surfaces in every single, that exists in every single city around the world. Look, I'm not going to belabor this point too much because we all know this is fundamentally true. There is something broken about the way that we treat each other in our world. There is something fundamentally broken with the way that you and I and everybody else treats themselves, treats one another in our world. This shows up in the schoolyard bully. This shows up with our casually racist grandparents. This shows up when like we can't stand individuals at our work. I mean, it shows up when we gossip about one another. It shows up when we vent about our spouse online. Don't do that. Gosh, that's awkward. Anyway, I mean, it just shows up all the time that we really don't treat each other particularly well. If we're honest, we're pretty awful to one another on most days. In big ways and in tiny ways, we constantly act out fear and suspicion and hatred of different people groups, of individuals in our lives who've done us wrong or just rub us the wrong way. It doesn't matter. We see it happening in every relationship to some extent or another. It's like Zootopia affirms what we know to be true, and both of us affirm what the, Bible, what the Bible says in James chapter number three. James chapter number three says this, sometimes we praise our Lord and Father, and other times we curse those who have been made in the image of God. Blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is is not right. 2,000 years ago, they were dealing with the same thing that we're dealing with in the 21st century. And trust me, it was going on long before that. We don't do a good job at treating one another well. There is so much evil, so much hatred, so much fighting, so much stress and tension and difficulty in our world. Sometimes it takes a movie like this to surface some of that in our own hearts. Now, let me set up the second clip for you, okay? I want to just get you clued into what's going on because we're fast forwarding. We're skipping ahead a little bit in the timeline here. Judy the rabbit has left for the big city. She's gone on to Zootopia and she's managed to join the police force. But because she's a tiny little bunny rabbit, they've made her a meter maid. That's the only job they'll give her. That's the only job they, they think that she's able to handle. 
Okay? One day, there is a huge criminal case that occurs in the city of Zootopia. And Judy meets a con artist fox. Now, remember, she's had some dealings with foxes in the past. She meets a con artist fox named Nick. And Nick comes to her and says, police officer, hops, I can help you solve this big case. And so they get together one night and they start talking through the details. And over the course of that conversation, Zootopia, the movie, is going to try to give you the answer or at least one of the answers, as to why we treat one another so badly. Poor Nick. I feel bad for the guy, right? Now, look, if you didn't catch it, in the first clip we watched, there were three separate references to the DNA or the nature of these predatory animals, right? The idea, unspoken as it was, that these guys were the way they were because something innate, something that was just a part of them, there was nothing they could do about it, and so we had to be really careful or the animals had to be really careful around them because of their nature. Now, in this clip, we kind of get the opposite idea. It's not so much about nature, it's about nurture. Nick wasn't a bad fox, was he? (laughs) Nick was a good kid. He really wanted to do the right thing. But because of the environments that he was raised in, because of the experiences that he had, he decided the only way for him to exist was to start treating others badly. Now, what's interesting to me is that Zootopia doesn't try to answer the nature versus nurture argument, right? It doesn't try to say, oh, it's actually nature or no, it's a part of nurture because both of those are probably true, aren't they? There's probably a bit of nature at work in our lives. There's probably a bit of nurture, the environments that we were raised in that play out in how you and I treat each other on a daily basis. You see, the Bible says that we have what's called a sin nature. I know that word sin is like not super popular in our world. I get that. Um, Let me explain to you a little bit about what sin nature actually means. Doesn't mean you're a terrible person. Doesn't mean that you're going to go off and, you know, punch somebody in the face at the drop of a hat. You might actually be a fairly good person. But what the sin nature the Bible speaks of that we all carry around, what it means is that over time we prove that we are actually turned inward on ourselves. So let me give you a word picture that might help, you know, you to kind of understand what the Bible means. Imagine a plant and you cut it at the roots. What happens to the stalk and the leaves and the flower? It'll survive for a little while. It'll still look pretty. It'll still look alive. But over time, it's going to wither, and it's going to curl, and it's going to turn in on itself. And the scripture says that's exactly what you and I do every single day. Because we're cut off, we're disconnected from the life-giving relationship with the God who created us that we are supposed to have. Over time, we prove that we are turned inward on ourselves. We act selfishly towards the people around us. We act out fear and suspicion and hatred. It may not be on a mass scale. You might not be a racist. I'm not saying that you are, okay? But I'm saying that in our relationships, we prove that there is something going wrong inside of our hearts. Big ways and small ways, in individual relationships, and when it comes to our, uh, you know, the way that we perceive large groups of people in our society, there is something in every single one of our hearts that proves this idea of sin nature correct. And not only that, the more we see it in our world, we just assume, well, that's how people are. That's just how it goes. We're, we're buttheads to each other. We're just mean. That's who people are. It's our default method of operating with people. Frustration, anger, boiling over, suspicion, stereotyping. Like, we do it a whole lot more than we like to admit. 
And it's not because we're bad people. It's because fundamentally something has been cut off inside of us, something that we need in order to love and to treat one another the way that we are supposed to. Okay? Um, This cycle continues because of our sin nature, because of what we see. It just goes on and on and on. Now, look, we can relate to the Apostle Paul who said this in Romans chapter number 7. He said, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do, or I don't want to do what is wrong. And yet, that's precisely what I do anyway. Our nature and our nurture combine to make it so that we treat each other in some pretty ugly ways. All right, so we're going to fast forward ahead a little bit uh, further in the movie. And over the time that we're skipping, Nick and Judy crack the case. They, they catch the first bad guy and put him in jail. And they're all heroes in Zootopia. And so they hold a press conference to celebrate what's happened. And during this press conference, Judy is going to make a statement that betrays her heart that shows that she has some of the same prejudice and hatred that everyone else does. Judy, who up to this point had always believed the best about everybody, she had always assumed that, you know, predators didn't need to be distrusted and that we should love and be kind to each and every person. She's confronted with the fact that she's just as guilty as anybody else. She lets slip that she believes there's some sort of nature, some sort of DNA that would cause a predator to behave in bad ways. And of course, Nick, her partner, the fox, is very hurt by her words. And he confronts her and she has to deal with the fact that the same evil, the same sickness that she sees in the world is inside of her heart as well. Hey, can I, Dan, can I be honest with you for a sec? I'm just as bad as Judy. Can you be honest with yourself for a sec? You're just as bad as Judy. I hate. You lie. We hurt. We fight. We, everybody, we take advantage of each other. We act horribly towards one another. And all the while, every single one of us looks at ourselves and says, well, I'm not the problem. It's them. They're the bad ones. Those idiots down south, they can't get along. They're the ones. It's those people. It's my dad. If you just knew him, you would know he's the problem in this situation. It's my sister-in-law. If somebody would just backhand her once, then finally she'd get straightened out. They are the problem. But Zootopia echoes what the Bible says that you and I are every bit as much of the problem as anybody else is. Look at what the scripture says in 1 John chapter number 1. The scripture says, If we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. If I gave you a microphone and you came down here and you said, I don't really hate anybody, Dan, I really don't. Everybody in the theater would be like, "Mm mm-hmm, we believe that. We would know better. 
Because everybody hates. We all do. The problem is we are terrible at seeing our faults in the mirror. Everybody else knows what's going on, and we just can't bring ourselves to admit or acknowledge it. We are just as, more, uh, as much a part of the problem as anybody else is. And until we acknowledge the sin that is in our heart, we will never treat one another better. We will never be able to overcome all the terribleness that we see. So let me ask you a question. You don't need to answer this out loud. You don't have to tell your spouse the answer to this question. But I want you to be honest in your heart about this one thing. Who do you struggle to love? Who do you struggle to love? It doesn't make you a terrible person. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're one of the worst people alive or anything like that. It means you're acknowledging what's present in your heart and everybody else's. There are people that we just can't get along with, whether groups because of our stereotypes or individuals because of our experiences. Is there a particular person that you just cannot forgive? You cannot let go of the hurts and the harms that they've done to you. And you're like, no, it's over. That relationship is done. I can't love them. I can't even look at them. I want you to acknowledge that. Are there groups of people? You may say, oh, that orientation or that skin color or that religion over there or those people who get social assistance. Let me tell you about them. If you have those sorts of feelings in your heart, welcome to the human race, and let's acknowledge it. Admit it to yourself. Because until you do, you cannot deal with it. And I'll remind you once more, for as long as we say we have no sin in our heart, we're only fooling ourselves. Okay, we're going to show you the last clip here in just a moment. Let me set the stage. We fast-forwarded a little further along. And what we've discovered is that Judy and Nick, they've made up, by the way. She went and apologized. She acknowledged what was going on, and he forgave her. And what they discovered was when they thought they cracked the case and arrested the bad guy, they didn't get the bad guy. The real bad guy is still out there. And in this final clip, they are going to attack the problem head on. They're going to deal not only with the criminal case in Zootopia, but they're going to overcome this difficulty, this tension, this fighting and hatred that exists between all the different groups of people in their society. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up. We told you last week that there comes a time in nearly every movie where up until that point, they've been following right along with what the scripture says, and they've been echoing uh, Bible verses and principles that they didn't even know we're there. And there comes a point where they start to diverge a little bit and they start to take it in a different direction that's separate from what the Bible teaches. And it's at this point that Zootopia starts to go off in a direction. And I'm going to explain why after the clip that isn't particularly helpful. So let's roll it. Last clip. Hey, did you catch that last line in her speech? Change starts with me. Look inside yourself. Change starts with you. The answers lie within. See, our society does a great job at identifying problems, but they do a terrible job at giving us solutions to those problems. The message of Zootopia, the agenda that they want you to walk out of the theater believing is that, come on, we're all in this together. 
We're all humans. We should be able to be nice and love one another and take care of one another and stop being suspicious and stop treating each other so awfully. We should be able to come together as fellow humans and make a difference. The point, the agenda, the moral of this cartoon is if the source of hate is inside of you, then so is the solution to hate. Now here's the problem. We've been appealing to our common humanity for thousands of years as the reason, the, the, the impetus for us to treat, to treat one another better. And it hasn't worked. Saying, come on guys, we're all the same. Let's get together and love one another. It hasn't moved the needle at all. In the 21st century, we are not treating each other any better than they did in the first century or 2,000 years before that. If you don't believe that we haven't made any progress in this department, go read YouTube comments. They are the most god-awful place on the internet. You will find out just how evil and terrible we are to one another. Now, look, I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't want you to think that I'm saying, okay, we shouldn't try to be nice. We shouldn't try to make the world a better place. We should do all of those things. But what I want you to understand is the reason for us to care for one another has to be more robust than, well, everybody should be nice because that hasn't worked. It hasn't restored any of your relationships. It hasn't alleviated people's suspicions about this group or that group. The idea that the answer is within us simply hasn't proven true. So if the answer, the solution to the hate that we see every single day is not within us, maybe it should come from somewhere without. Maybe there's somewhere else that we should gain a reason, a rationale for actually treating each other the way that we know we should. So that we can create the Zootopia, the Utopia, as it were, right? Some of you guys, the light bulb just went off. You're like, oh, I get the title now. They're trying to create Utopia. And the only way we're going to get there is if we stop the good citizenship cheerleading. Come on, be a good person. We got to go deeper than that. If you've got a deep, deep heart issue, then the stuff you taught your kids in kindergarten isn't going to solve your problems. So let me give you one final verse that has the power to transform everything. If you've gone to sleep so far in this message, I hope you got a good nap. Can I ask you to wake up and catch this last part? The scripture says in Ephesians chapter number two, Jesus made peace between Jews and Gentiles, two religious groups that had been at war for a long time. By the way, you would be considered a Gentile, so you'd be involved in this conflict. Jesus made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And then it ends with one of the deepest statements in the Bible. It says, and so our hostility toward each other was put to death. Jesus mentions two religious groups here, the Jews and the Gentiles. But the truth is the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus actually makes peace between every individual and every group in our world. 
you could take those two names out, Jews and Gentiles, and substitute anything else there. Anybody else you've struggled to forgive. Any other group that you're suspicious of and you kind of assume the worst about. Take Jews and Gentiles out, put yourself and their name in there and see what it says. Jesus made peace between you and your dad. Jesus made peace between Christians and Muslims. Jesus made peace between men and women. Jesus made peace between you and your boss. You see, if you choose to live in conflict, if you choose to live in suspicion and hatred, you're doing so out of choice, not because you have to. You don't have to live in those kind of relationships with those kind of attitudes and ideals. Jesus has set you free from that. He has made peace between you and anybody else that you struggle to love. And he did it because as the scripture says here in Ephesians 2, he ultimately made peace between you and God. When he made peace with you and God, he reconnected you to the vine that gives life. He gave you what you needed to love other people the way you should. You don't have it on your own. And if being nice and being a good person was enough, then you would have already started to love and care for the world around you the way that you should. But it's not. It hasn't worked. So we've got to turn to someone outside of us and that person is Jesus. This idea that Jesus made peace between us and God, this is able to do what nothing else can. This can change our society. This can end prejudice and racism. This can end sexism. I mean it, guys. This is not like rhetoric. This is not the pastor getting hyped. I'm telling you, if you as a Christian started living out this verse, things would be different. And the world would see us differently. And the whole time I'm sitting up here preaching, thinking, yeah, I hope they hear this because they're the ones who need to get it right. Remember, I'm just as much of the problem as you are. We have got to acknowledge what's going on in our heart and then turn to Jesus as the only one that can heal it. You see, when you've been reconciled, like when you're reconciled to God through Jesus, you become a reconciler. When you've been forgiven by God, you become a forgiver. When you've been loved by God, you become one who loves other people. Listen to me. If God and man could be reconciled, why can't man and man be reconciled? Why can't man and woman be reconciled? Why can't these races and orientations and belief systems and the good Christians and those of us who suck at following Jesus, why can't we be reconciled? Because Jesus has made peace between us. Don't miss that last line. It says, our hostility towards each other has been put to death. Those are not just words. That's literal. My hostility towards everyone who's wronged me has been put to death on the cross. My suspicion of people who are not like me has been put to death. And I might spend a lot of time trying to redig that body up so I can hold it up and say, but you don't know what they did. And gosh, if you had only seen how they treated me and on and on and on it goes. But that's because I choose to do it. I don't have to. Jesus has made peace between you and every single person in the world because he's made peace between you and God. 
Let's live that message out. Let's treat one another the way that Christ calls us to. Let's not just be good citizens. Let's be good followers of Jesus. And let's show the world what reconciliation with God can do for the world. Thank you.